I want to kind of bring a, a, a word to you tonight, really. This is the kind of word that I can't bring on a Sunday. Um, but this is the opportunity, really, and this is really burning in my heart uh, at the moment. And I just want to kind of share it with you a little bit tonight. It's a little bit unformed, um, so it'll, hopefully, it'll, hopefully you'll understand it. It'll just splurge out a little bit. But I've been thinking and praying and reflecting um, over the last few years of some of the big things that we felt and sensed that God has been saying to us over the last few years. And so at the beginning of 2016, God spoke to us very clearly that this was the year to enter in. Do you remember that? This is the word, to, the year to enter in. And we spoke about um, uh, Egypt and the wilderness and Canaan. You know, geography is theology. And we spoke about what those three um, uh, places represented uh, in the Bible and in our lives. Egypt is about slavery uh, before you, you meet Christ. Wilderness is that moment, that time in between. And Canaan is where God wants you to be. And we said that many of us as Christians can come out of Egypt but wander around wild, the wilderness forever, getting a taste of Canaan but never really entering in. And we sensed that God was saying this was the year for us to enter in fully into what God has for us. We also said we felt it was the year for us to enter more fully into the world around us. And so phrase is like everywhere, every day, everyone. I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> that, where we went. that came out this year. Everyone, everywhere, every day. This whole idea about us entering into to, to life and to mission right where we are. Okay, and we've heard some great stories this year about people that have led people to Christ in shops and in their workplace and seen people healed on the streets and in different situations. And that's amazing. And that's part of what God is wanting to do. Um, but you know, the year before that, God spoke to us very clearly, again around vision, but around the word focus, around the word focus. And we've heard a lot tonight already uh, about vision. And, um, and this was kind of stimulated a little bit around a movie that was out at the time called Focus, which was a movie about pickpockets and, uh, and how they work and how they work on illusion and distraction. And the whole idea in the movie was that if, if that thief can, can get you to be distracted on something else, they can take whatever they want. And this idea in which, which God was saying to us, listen, if we get distracted, then actually the enemy could take what we don't want him to take. So it's really important to focus. Um, and, and I think we live in, a, we live in a, an incredibly distracted age, don't we? I mean, we are so distracted. Some of you are distracted even now when I'm speaking because I've been speaking for all of four minutes. And that's like way too long, four minutes, isn't it? Um, you know, because we live in that kind of uh, age and someone calls it, the, you know, we have a wealth of information, but that can create a poverty of attention. You know, a minute, a, 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 a media advertising uh, clip that used to be three minutes now is two minutes, 30 seconds too long because our attention span is so minute, it's like a goldfish, okay? That's about the attention span we've got. And the problem is, because we're so distracted, we can miss out on what God has for us. And that's what we, we talked about a lot the year before last. And then on Sunday coming, we're going to start another series, a five-week series, which I'm going to do, called True North, which is really all about how do we, how do we stay true when we're in uncharted territory, when we're off the map, and I'll talk to you a little bit about this, and I'm inspired about this as I'm researching explorers and adventurers as well. I want to bring this into it because I think that there's something about our culture and our world and our lives that can feel like we're off the map. We're in uncharted territory. And the problem is with a compass, a compass is a thing called declination because the compass will point you to magnetic north, but magnetic north is always shifting. There is a thing called true north, but the problem is all of our gauges go to magnetic north and they shift. 
And if we only ever anchor ourselves or, or center ourselves through things that shift, like, like culture or our feelings or our experiences, then we can end up shipwrecked. And we can end up in a destination that we didn't set out to end up in, simply because we can't find true north. And that's what we're going to start on Saturday. On Saturday, on Sunday, I'll start it hopefully before Saturday, but we'll be doing it on Sunday. But I sense God combining all these things together for us, okay? And I've written it down. If we are to enter in, we have to take a step, but we have to keep our focus and we have to remain true north. It's all about vision and it's all about focus. It's all about staying true to what God has for us. So that when life throws up its unexpected stuff, which it does, or when our culture shifts and changes, which it does, we know where we're going. Amen? And we know who we are and we know why we are here. So I want to share with you a little thought tonight. And uh, again, it's a little another metaphor, I suppose. Um, but it's based on, I think, I'm sure something that many of you have had in your life, especially if you're married. Have you ever been in the car and you've heard somebody else in the car? I won't say who, but you've heard someone say, will you keep your eyes on the road? Anyone ever heard that? Or is it only in my car that that happens? Keep your eyes on the road. This is so, so important. And again, with mobile phones and with distractions of kids in the back, maybe, or oh, look at that shiny thing out the window or whatever, we've got to keep our eyes on the road. And um, this, is, this is a message from a guy called Andy Stanley, and he just puts it so clearly that I want to just take this and take his framework and add some thoughts of my own, because I think this is so important for us as a church. And, and I want to just say about this, you know, people who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. Just think about that. People who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus, and Jesus liked them back. It's really interesting um, that, that the Bible says that Jesus was a friend of who? Sinners. And the only people that Jesus really seemed to fall out with in most of his ministry were the religious people. So the people who were nothing... Now, he was a rabbi. So you'd say rabbi, religious, Right? Okay, he's in that camp. And yet people who were nothing like him really liked him and he liked them back. People who were the most uncomfortable at the temple were most comfortable with Jesus. People who were at the most, they're at their most uncomfortable in the religious places were at their most comfortable when they were with Jesus. Now, the church is the body of Christ on earth. So surely we corporately are meant to be like he was personally. This is why our heart beats with this whole vision and dream of being a church where unchurched people want to come to because that's what Jesus was like. People who were not like him, liked him. Even if they didn't believe in him, they liked him. People liked being around him. Guys, we've got to do everything we possibly can to, to stop it so that people actually don't want to be here and don't want to connect with us. Whatever it is that makes people not want to connect with us, we've got to stop that. We've got to be like Jesus, and if his body on earth is meant to be like him, then we've got to be a place, and we've got to be a people where people who are not like us, like us, and actually want to be around us, even if they don't believe in our God yet. And one of the reasons that people liked Jesus was that he used and lived by different adjectives to every other religious person. You see, we all have adjectives that we use to define people, don't we? We say, these are my people, or these are not my people. So, these are middle class, 
or maybe they're working class. These are migrants or they're native. These are Tories or they're labor. Or these are gay or these are straight. We use adjectives to define people. The Pharisees also, the religious people, they used adjectives as well. They used adjectives like clean and unclean, male and female, Jew and Greek, in or out. But Jesus used a whole different set of adjectives and that's what enabled him to keep his eyes on the road. And I want to show you this from Luke chapter 15, which is my favorite chapter, I think, in the whole of the New Testament. Not maybe the whole Bible, but in the whole of the New Testament. Because Luke 15 is such an amazing chapter because Jesus is building up and he's a master storyteller and a master communicator. And he has a whole load of religious people in the crowd, as well as a whole load of people who are uncomfortable with religious people, but very comfortable with Jesus. And so in this whole crowd of people, we will call them maybe churched or unchurched or whatever categories and adjectives we want to use as well. Okay, But in that crowd was a whole load of people, some who didn't believe in Jesus but liked him, some who passionately believed in him and some who were out to kill him. And into that, into that situation, Jesus told three stories. And these three stories have three things in common. Number one, Something valuable got lost in each of the stories. Story in Luke chapter 3, you can read it if you've got a Bible. A coin was valuable to the woman and she lost it. A sheep was valuable to the shepherd and he lost it. And a son was incredibly valuable to the father and he lost that son. Something was valuable got lost. Have you ever lost something? Anyone? That's valuable. You ever lost a person? That's valuable. I remember when, when my kids, we got two lads who are in their 20s now, as you know, Josh and Simeon. And when they were both little, uh, young lads, I, I was at Merry Hill with them uh, on my own with the two of them. That wasn't the one and only time, but it could have been. And uh, I, I lost Josh for a moment in, in a store. And if you've ever had that experience happen, you, you forget now the emotion of it. But, but when you start thinking about it, the emotion comes back, doesn't it? Because the, I mean, it was literally a few minutes. That's all it was. But the emotion of that was unreal. And so I got the other one, little one, Simeon, who you know has got special needs. And he was little and cute at the time, but still challenging. And, and I'd lost Josh. Imagine what would have happened if I'd have phoned Alison and said, Alison, I've lost one, but I've got the other one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what you've got if you've lost what's valuable. And in each of those stories, something so valuable to someone was lost. And we've got to feel the emotion of that. If we're going to keep our eyes on the road, we've got to feel the emotion of that. Because that's why Jesus told those stories. He said, this coin mattered to this woman. And you might think, well, she had nine other coins. But we don't understand that probably, scholars believe that probably those ten coins in that culture can get passed on as a dowry for a, for a woman and it needed to be ten. So the fact that she had nine didn't take away the emotion of the fact that she'd lost one. You might say to the shepherd, look, you've lost one, but you've got 99. Come on. But that one mattered to that shepherd. And to the, and the son, you say, well, okay, one son's gone, but it was his choice anyway. But you've got another one. He's at home. He's a good lad. So you've got one. No, no, no. That mattered to the father that he lost. So something valuable gets lost. And we've got to stop for a moment and think about these are all reflections of what the heart of the father is about, isn't it? And, 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 and I'm going somewhere. So number two, what's lost is so valuable that it demands an all-out search. 
So the woman turned the house upside down to try and look for the coin. The shepherd said, here's the 99 fellas, you look after them. And off he went to try and find the other one. Now, the father loved the son more than his own reputation. Because when the son comes to the father and says, I want my half of the inheritance, that's like he's saying, in effect, I wish you were dead. Because when you're dead, then I'll get what's coming to me. And no father in this culture would allow his son to do that. But this father wants relationship more than compliance. And he could have said, no, you're staying in the house. But he wants relationship more than he wants compliance. He wants genuine, heartfelt relationship more than someone just staying in the house and being in the same space, but not being in the same relationship. And so he finances his son's desertion, if you like. He finances his son. He enables his son to leave with the hope that maybe he'll come to his senses and of his own volition, he'll come back into relationship. And so every day, he doesn't go out looking for him, but he looks and he scans the horizon. So in each of the three stories, there's a search going on. And Jesus is telling these stories. And in the audience were people who knew they were far from God. They knew they were far from God. And, and, and they, they knew that they weren't in the adjectives that the religious people used. They weren't clean and they weren't in and they weren't acceptable. And they knew that. And then what happened in the, in the, in the story of the prodigal son as we know it, absolutely blew everybody's minds, the religious people and the people who were far from God. Because in, in Luke 15 verse 20, it says this. So eventually this son gets up and he goes to his father. And it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms round him and he kissed him. And it's like, hang on a minute. This is the fella that's been working with the pigs, the unclean animal under the Jewish religious system. He stinks of pigs. He's been with prostitutes. He's used all his money on alcohol. He ain't looking and smelling good. And the father runs towards him, throws his arms around him and kisses him. This pretty much gives the religious people a cardiac arrest in the crowd. But for the people who are far from God, something is changing in their hearts. They're thinking, is that what God's like then? Is that what the Father is really all about? And then the third thing that's the same in each of the three stories is this, that when what's lost gets found, you party like you've never partied before. And so when the woman brings the, finds the coin, she gets all her neighbours to come round for a party. And... Um, when the shepherd brings the sheep home, he gets all of his shepherd uh, friends to come home and they have a, to come back and they celebrate. And then you know that when the son comes home to the father, they kill the fattened calf and they put the robe on, on, around him and, and the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. And here's where Jesus drives his central point home. And this is where I'm going. This is how you keep your eyes on the road, guys. This is how we keep our focus. This is how we remain true north and enter into all that God has for us. By using and living by the right adjectives. And the right adjectives are not male, female. They are not whether you are gay or whether you are straight. They are not whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you're middle class or working class or upper class. They're not whether you're Tory or Labour or undecided. They're not whether you're inside or outside. Here are the adjectives that Jesus lived by. 
in verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was, and here's the adjective, dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. That is amazing. It's not whether you're male or female, Jew or Greek, gay or straight, but dead or alive, lost or found, period. And it's like, it's like wow. So it's like all the religious people are like, whoa. And all the people are far from God. Are, That's me. That's me. And, and there's something amazing when you live like that. God's primary concern, folks, is not the connected, but the disconnected. Now, you need to hear my heart when I'm saying this. God loves all people, okay? But God's primary concern, the adjectives that he lives by and that his heart beats for, it, it is not the connected, it's not the found, it's not the alive, it's the disconnected, it's the dead, it's the lost. That's where his heart is. That's where the trajectory of God is. That's the mission. And the sad thing is that many, many churches, and we can get this, what we do is that we, we take our eyes off the road and we put our eyes onto the connected and our eyes onto the found and our eyes onto the alive. Whereas God's saying, keep your eyes on the road. Your eyes are on the disconnected. Your eyes are on the lost. Your eyes are on the dead. And eventually, if we use the wrong adjectives, it will get to our emotions and we will become like the Pharisees whose eyes were on the found rather than the lost, the alive rather than on the dead, the connected rather than on the disconnected. And can I say, certainly as long as I have breath and I'm in this church, we ain't going to be a church like that. We're going to be on a church that has our eyes on the road. That doesn't mean we don't care about everybody else. That doesn't mean we don't meet each other. It doesn't mean any of that. But together corporately, if we are now alive and found... Our mission is on those who are dead and lost. Come on, isn't it? If we are connected to the Father, our mission is on those who are not yet connected, those who are disconnected from the love of the Father. That's really easy to say. I know that, but it's really hard. And so our adjectives as we move forward are not rich or poor. They are not Hales-Owen people or Hagley people. They are, are you alive or are you dead? Are you lost or are you found? They are the only adjectives that matter to God. It's not black or white. It's not rich or poor. It's not Hagley or Hales-Owen. It's lost, found, alive, dead. That's it. And so I want to say at the start of this year, could we be people who keep our eyes on the road? Could we be people who this year in 2017 say, I, I, I don't want to just say it or preach it for me or, or, or even pray it, I want to enter into it. What can I do this year to help someone who is disconnected connect with the heart of God? Someone who is dead come alive. Someone who is lost be found. That's why baptisms are so amazing, aren't they? And when we had a baptism just before Christmas and you hear those great stories, you know, of people that say, you know, the, the, the one Phil that said the only other time I prayed in my life was in 1991 when I was in the Gulf and I, I, and I was a soldier and I was being shot out. Oh, my gosh. But then for him to be baptized and come out with that T-shirt that said made new. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was disconnected, but now I'm connected. That's why we do what we do. So all of the other stuff and all of the other issues that we can put our eyes on are all potentially distractions from the mission. 
And I want to say, for the sake of the world and for the sake of God's heart and for the sake of the future of his church on planet earth, we have to keep our eyes on the road. We have to keep our eyes on the road. And this is a massive year for us. And we're changing the name of the church and that could get distracting. And we're coming out of this building and for three months or so and, and doing the building. And that could be distracting and challenging. And we're launching a new site and that could be distracting and challenging. But for, I believe in this church enough to know that we won't get distracted. We'll keep our eyes on the road. And we'll do that when we live by the right adjectives. And the only adjectives that matter is, is this person alive or dead? Are they lost or are they found? Are they connected or disconnected? That's it. So could it be, as we kind of really come to prayer with God, that could we ask God to stir our hearts for that this year? Anyone else up for that? I want to ask the band to come back. Why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand? You know, I shared some of this at a leaders meeting last Wednesday morning, which was an ungodly time to speak. It was seven in the morning. Um, but, but as I shared it, I, I kind of, I kind of you, know, you know, God really challenged me. Uh, but what are you going to do about that? Do you mean, what are you doing about that? Which is one of the things why, reasons why I, I joined the gym last year was, yeah, I wanted to lose weight and get fit, which I do and, and I am trying to do that. Um, but one of the reasons there is that now there's a whole new gr- bunch of people um, that I know that I'm talking to and sharing with. And, and when we lo- had the fire and I lost my uh, office for a season and the coffee shop. And so then I thought, well, okay, I'll go study and meet people in the coffee shop over the town. And now there's a whole group of people that I know and that we connect with. And some of them have been here to the church. And bit by bit, I want to do my bit. I want to do my bit. That's what I want to live for, don't you? And I don't do that because I'm paid. I do that because I'm, I'm connected. I do that because I'm alive. I do that because I'm found. And I want to say, could, could every single one of us, don't be like me, please be better than me. You can be and you are. But could we live this year with our eyes on the road? Amen. And not get distracted. So why don't we pray? Father, we want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for God, your incredible heart. God, I don't deserve salvation any more than anybody else on planet Earth. And yet, Lord, you've declared over me that I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. God, I pray that the joy of that and the reality of that would always move our hearts and would always move our lives, Lord Jesus. God, may we be people and may we be a church who live for those who are not yet found who live, God, who are reaching out, God, to those who are not yet connected to the Father. And God, may we inspire and encourage one another. Lord, for the sake of our world, God, you said that you so loved the world that you gave your only Son. And God, there are hotter churches than us. There are hipper churches than us. And there are trendier churches than us. And there are churches that are better than us at loads of things. But God, may we be a church that only lives for that. May we be a church that lives for more and more people to find you, for more and more people to come home, Lord God. May we be a people, God, who keep our eyes on the road. So God, this isn't going to happen through passionate preaching or through mumbled words like tonight. God, this is only going to happen by the fire of your Spirit burning in us. 
and by us stepping into all that you've got for us. So Lord, at the start of this year, in this week of prayer, God, I pray that every one of us, Lord, and us collectively will bring ourselves to you, Lord Jesus, and we'll say, Holy Spirit, would you come and light a fire in our hearts for those who don't yet know you. And God, may we be a church that does anything and everything we can to reach those who don't yet know you. So Lord, would you help us, I pray. God, for the sake of the world, for the sake of your name, for the sake of your body, for the sake of your dream for planet Earth, Lord Jesus, would you come and would you light our hearts again by the fire of your Spirit, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.